Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, where product professionals from Colorado share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. So grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I am one of your product co-hosts, Zach LaGreca, Kevin Gentry, and Patrick Kuchkowski. And today we're going to be talking about estimations, uh, which is a pretty core part of uh, any product role and, and generally how we might do these. So to kind of kick it off, um, when we first have to come up with a new initiative as product managers, how do we estimate stuff? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I know personally this one is always a little tricky. Um, I always love to use the acronym SWAG, which is literally stupid, wild-ass guess. I love that. And and so it's, you know, how swaggy is this and stuff like that. But largely what it turns into is a representation of a t-shirt size or some sort of larger kind of removed scope so that you can say, this initiative in my mind is probably going to take something like three or four months. This is loosely based on what we've done in the past maybe some of the architectural decisions, uh, the amount of time and resources that we have available to execute on it. So you're like, my swag is this. And then we try and break down what are each of the constituent components that go into it. How much work is responsible on a platform engineer team? How much does the mobile team need to do here? And then as that gets more and more granular, then we can really break each story down further and further. So I tend to use a tool called, called story mapping for that. Um, but I'll save a little bit of that and, and let Kevin respond. No, I, I was curious, um, how often does your initial swag differ from what you get to at the end of the day? Uh, these days, I've actually, I would say within a month, generally. Within uh, a month? Wow. That's pretty good. That's yeah. really good. That's <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> is that, is that um, in general, or is that with like a consistent team? That is with a consistent okay. team, and it's generally speaking with estimates that are under six months. So the more, yeah, obviously, yeah. as you expect, like the that fidelity. Yeah, sure. yeah, And so for me, it's yeah. if I'm estimating, hey, this is going to take us four months, there's generally a precedent that I've either established here at a previous company. So I'm like, okay, we were able to accomplish that within three months, sure. giving us a little wiggle room. And then worst case, we're at like four and a half months. But generally, it's, you know, one month has been good. Well, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think when I first initially got here, we were way off. <laughs> I think part of it is is depending upon the solution that you get to um, and how you go about it um, and the resources you have, right? I mean, um, I usually try to get um, an engineering manager involved that's kind of like our liaison into engineering. Um, I don't have a tech lead at the time, but um, right now, but I think that's who I would lean on as the tech lead in the EM and kind of, you know, uh, work through kind of like a jobs to be done type story of like, here's what we need to go solve, um, how are we going to go solve it, and then kind of work 
through an estimation back from there. Um, but it's tough just saying, here's a list of items I want to go do as a product manager, and you're not the one that's delivering them, <laughs> and then trying to provide an estimation. Uh, again, if you have the experience of actually building it or working with a team, and the team's the same kind of makeup, that makes a lot more sense, um, and you can get more accurate. But um, I found really early on here that I was more, what was it, over or underestimating, overestimating, yeah, overestimating what we can do and under delivering <laughs> versus the other way around. <laughs> um, so we're underestimating how long it'll take. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I will caveat: I have definitely learned to always put a buffer of twenty percent right. on all my estimates initially. Yes, and I thought I was putting a buffer in as well because I, I learned the hard way as well. But uh, even still, I mean, that's uh, yeah. That I mean. That raises a good question that I think is an interesting tension point for product managers is when are you being smart with building in some extra time and when are you sandbagging? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fine line. Well, and it's, I don't know, so we had a, a, a key financial initiative uh, that I ended up PMing uh, about a year ago and it was one of those ones where it was like hard deadline, we have to hit it on this time and I was like, okay, that's going to take us probably four, four and a half months in order to deliver so let's give a six-month buffer because there's a bunch of outside factors and people to test. And I knew that if we were sandbagging it, then it would be like, oh, this only took us three months. But then we probably drastically underestimated the complexity of this and the stakeholder involvement. Yep. And so the engineering work might have been able to do that in that time. But right. I always factor in an additional you know, you know, handicap because of the number of different stakeholders involved. And that's something I think people yeah. underestimate. You got You brought up a great point. Most often, engineering itself is easier to estimate than the whole project or product, right? Because yeah, you yeah. have all of these other inputs to that, other stakeholder input, other requirements that you're getting or dependencies that you need to identify and work through. And I would totally agree with that because I think a lot of times you have some assumptions about what you need to do. And engineering can be pretty good about figuring out to do those things we think it'll take us about this amount of time. That often can be fairly dialed. What I've also experienced is that, you know, two months in, you'll have a conversation with marketing, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, this can't go live unless you build in these additional, yeah. you know, web hooks yeah. into the product, yeah. so that we can communicate these specific triggers. Yeah. And if we don't have that, we can't even communicate the product the right yeah. way to to our users. And it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that it, that is important. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's something I, I didn't realize." Uh, and that's going to take us an extra three, four weeks. Yeah, yeah it's almost a, a discussion about how do you handle product releases. Mm. Because there may be engineering work to get you to MVP, sure. and too often with what we're striving for, it's like, hey, you, you've hit that minimum viable product as an engineering team, Yeah. but now you're like, okay, how do we pull in marketing? How do we do our QA? How do we do... Right. You know, well, I think long. that's kind of why like the MVP concept is a little broken, right? Or at least how we kind of think of it. And the engineering world is like, you know, once you deliver the functionality, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not viable or a yeah. product at that point. It's just <laughs> some code somewhere, right? Yeah. Or even if you it's just deliver a product and right. you never market it, people yeah. may never find it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Right. So how do you kind of encompass? Yeah. How do you, how do you start? off on the right foot with that instead of um, tripping over it at the end, right? Yeah, so this is where story mapping really comes into play for me. Uh, and I do it a slightly differently than necessarily you know how Agile and others may have. Um, the concept is get the team in a room, whether using technology or sticky notes, it's essentially describe the problem, what we're trying to do, 
and then walk through every task that may be necessary in order to accomplish it. And then the idea is that you're, as you work uh, along horizontally, you're putting in more and more of these stories and then with vertical depth, you can get more granular. And so that way you're like, oh, I understand that if we're going to build a microservice, we have to have our authentication layer. We have to have this sort of Amazon architecture supporting it. It's this type of database using this language. And so that might just start up top as microservice. Mm -hmm. And then as you walk through the super high level concepts and as time permits, you can delve into the specifics. And so you could have one, which is just marketing plan. And then it's like, blah, 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 blah. And that lets you start to understand, oh, this idea that we had Mm -hmm. actually encompasses all this additional work. And then from an engineering perspective, I oftentimes take that story mapping exercise, turn it into the epic put all those details mm-hmm. into the epic and turn many of those into high level stories. Mm-hmm. So they start, you know, kind of in that agile mentality at the bottom of your backlog, you're going to have this item that's very large and nebulous. It's not well thought out yet. And as you get higher and higher, as you groom those stories, mm-hmm. they're going to get split out. You're going to have more fidelity. And then you end up with a whole other component of estimating being story estimates, yeah. um, which we can talk about in a little. Um, but that has let me have that confidence mm-hmm. that this is, okay, probably a three-month instead of a six-month, right. or, hey, my swag estimate of three months is way off yeah. kind of thing. So what, what's, a, what's a good example of a starting point there? You said you, you have these items in your backlog. Like, is it just rough ideas? Like, how do you kind of frame those? And what scope are they? Generally, for me, I like to keep them at almost roadmap-level initiatives. Mm. So it's something that's probably going to take a full quarter, if not slightly more, mm-hmm. uh, and it's something that would require multiple stakeholders across different departments. So for me, it's, you know, since my focus right now is improving our registration experience, I may have one on there, and I'm going to restart one that's redo the entire registration flow. And mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, this is a huge nebulous right. thing. Right. And then what I'll start is, here's what's worked in the past, here's what I want to do, something along these lines. Start collecting information. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's that, that, I mean, truly massive at the bottom. Right. And then at the very high level of the backlog, it should be a story that people understand the scope exactly, mm-hmm. clear acceptance criteria. We've done similar stories in the past. So it's like this will take us you know, maybe a day of work because it's been comparable to other work we've done. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's a pretty audacious kind of story initially. And I know you break it down further to be a little more clear of what it is, but do you put time limitations around this? Do you say we need to do this within the time box of the quarter? Mm-hmm. Like that's not necessarily a problem that you're solving. At least it's not worded that way initially. Mm-hmm. But even if it is a problem that you are solving, let's say there is a problem with the registration flow and it's that users are dropping off. Like that's the problem. We need to go solve that problem. Um, how do you know when you're done and how do you measure that? For me, it's largely a, you know, it goes back to kind of what we've talked about, which is outcomes over output. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for me, it's if we've seen, you know, X value over X over Y amount of time, then generally we've met that intent. And then the work that you're planning should be achieving that. Like yeah. that's kind of the idea of it. Okay. Exactly. Uh, and so for that, you know, mind you, you know, as roadmaps, and we'll definitely want to can of worms how yeah, do you do roadmaps and stuff. <laughs> you know, it's it really becomes you have many different initiatives, some top-down driven, some yeah. bottom driven, etc. And yes, like those may exist. I also have the concept of an ice box. 
in my mm-hmm. backlog. Mm-hmm. So it's things that we may want to do, but we don't have enough fidelity on, or we just can't handle right now from mm-hmm. just level of effort or mm-hmm. resources. And so a lot of those big initiatives get stuck down there. And then even as we break them down, we're like, oh, this is way out of scope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, I think for me, it's those initiatives are just that. It's a large initiative. It starts as an epic at the bottom. And then only when we feel comfortable that we're going to be able to deliver the value and actually solve that problem do we really start breaking it down more. And, and explain the the term initiative or epic, like because I, I know a lot of companies have different terms for these things. But mm-hmm. when we break it down to its essential components, what is that? Yeah, and, and is Zach, I'd be curious to get yeah. different thoughts here. For me, an initiative or uh, an epic it can be synonymous. Mm-hmm. An epic oftentimes is a much more granular engineering component so it's something that the team can go to to reference an initiative may be something that i mean the epic could be synonymous exactly with it but too often that initiative is something that we have identified as either a roadmap item or a significant component or problem as at the company that we want to solve yeah i i kind of define it Similarly, like I think an epic is when you're when you're looking into Jira or whatever software you use to track how you're breaking down work. Uh, most places I've seen this done, an epic is a, like a kind of a larger umbrella mm-hmm. of a category of things you need to do. Like say, build a new microservice for uh, registration or something mm-hmm. like that could be an epic. And then you start to break down smaller stories of each discrete thing you need to do. And when you complete that, you've completed the epic. It's a good way to track. Um, the amount of work you're doing, your velocity as an engineering team. Um, initiative is uh, more of a term for something you want to do in support of an outcome. So is a company have a problem of, okay, we're solving this problem for our users, or we're trying to um, get this many users to do this new thing within our application. Mm-hmm. To do that, what are ways we might influence this behavior? And then you start to think of potential projects that support that. Okay, we could build this feature that would allow them mm-hmm. to engage in this unique way. Okay, that you know feature or concept could be a good initiative. And that could be the epic itself, um, or it could be a series of epics depending on how, you know, if you're building an entirely new app um, as a company, that's probably bigger than a single epic, um, but it could be a very, very large mm-hmm. initiative. So what happens when you don't hit your estimations? It's, <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. Um, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. um, it happens uh, more often, I think, than most of us would like because there are so many unknowns. Um, I think one of the best things to help with not hitting your estimations is to communicate clearly and regularly or along the entire way. Mm-hmm. Because more often than not, you don't have all of the information you need to mm-hmm. super accurately know where you're going to land. Even with Patrick, you know, be, like you know, being within a month is really good, but it's still if you're going to be a month off, if you don't communicate mm-hmm. that to your stakeholders, your leadership team, um, until the day before it was supposed mm-hmm. to launch, you're going to have a lot of people who are frustrated, like reasonably frustrated and upset, and like, wait, I thought things were fine. What's going on? Um, and I've seen this happen in the past. Where if you don't communicate those things enough, it doesn't matter if you have. Um, really good reasons for not having hit your estimation. You know, there are a lot of external factors. Like maybe you, one or one of your engineers left your team, and so mm-hmm. you're down an engineer. Mm-hmm. Or you know, maybe some new information came to light um, from the market where something didn't test well, and you had to shift your right. strategy a little bit. Those are all reasonable and good reasons to maybe not hit your initial estimation. But if you're not communicating along the way, 
the reasoning behind what you're doing and what the new timing looks like, then you'll you'll be in trouble. Yeah, you should never surprise your management, right? No, <laughs> that's kind of. Um, <laughs> no, never again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> yeah, I think um, another another way that I've done this in the past was um, when providing estimations, saying this needs to be true, this needs to be true, and this needs to be true in order to then mm-hmm. hit this date. And then you can clearly communicate if those things end up not being true or you uncover something that changes those factors. Yeah. Then you can communicate that and it clearly ties into why. That's even I think that's even better. It's like upfront right. trying to identify right. uh, you know it's yeah. it's like your assumptions. I, we mm-hmm. generally will do this at yep. the engineering story level of we're assuming this feature will rely on this existing service or yep. functionality and therefore it'll take this long. I think at the higher level it's the same thing. We assume that uh, our information about the market is correct. We assume mm-hmm. we will have the team we have today or this level of research. Right. We assume yeah. we're hiring. Nothing changes. <laughs> we're, we're planning to hire three engineers right. over the next three months, yeah. and we assume we're going to be able to do that, right. and that's going to put us here. Yeah. Um, and calling that out of, of, up front, we assume these things, and if these are true, we'll meet this. If they're not, it'll adjust things slightly. That sets expectations initially, too. And it can help get you support when, you know, like let's say you're, you, you have some headcount that's reduced, uh, you can then push for that and be like, hey, remember when we communicated this, right. this is going to impact this timeline. And it either sets expectations or it can help you push to, to get something you might need. Yeah. Out of curiosity, are you using a decision log or something that has like stakeholder sign-off on that? Yeah, I mean, that's something new that I've been trying. Um, I've seen that work very well in the past for other projects and other PMs where yeah, you're getting sign-off on stakeholders for a certain set of work and criteria based on a certain set of understanding. Um, I think, again, kind of going back to one of our other podcasts around achieving alignment, that's kind of in kind of in part the same kind of thing where you're, you're laying out those assumptions. You're saying, do you agree with this? <laughs> and then you're getting confirmation, written confirmation, hopefully. That's the goal. And then um, it just gives you leverage in case anything does um, crop up that someone wasn't thinking of or, um, you know, it, it helps us not get too emotional with when projects don't hit our estimations. It's very, there's a clear logic path of why this didn't happen. And people are very understanding in that case. And it's hard to jump to pointing the finger if that's laid out. Right. Yeah. I think the logic is a key piece of that and being able to translate logic from different aspects of the business of what we're doing Mm -hmm. to the the appropriate teams, like being able to translate the logic of from a functional engineering standpoint, we identified this architectural problem mm-hmm. that we have to solve. Um, we thought it was just a higher level front end UI thing we were going to build, and we realized the fundamental architecture doesn't support yeah. what we're trying to do, and that's going to add two months to this because yeah. we have to change some big stuff. Being able to communicate, you know, how, how that might look to leadership, who maybe you know some of the leadership isn't as technical, you know, I think that becomes important. But if you can do that, they're going to understand where you're coming from. Um, so, yeah, I, I think being able to clearly communicate why certain things have happened is, is critical. And that way it's not just, oh, we didn't hit our goal, we failed. It's here's what we've learned and what yeah. we need to do for this to be successful. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, at the slightly more granular level, how do you walk through story estimates? What tools are you guys using in order to mm-hmm. kind of to handle estimate? that? Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. for us it's much more yeah. of a, the actual... Mm-hmm tactical component yeah. of being a PM mm-hmm. and working with an engineering team. 
Yeah, for me, I, I mean, the team usually, I'm, I'm actually trying a new process that maybe we could just talk about quickly, but it's, um, I'm calling it the epic kickoff process, but what I want to do with that is to bring a jobs-to-be-done story with rough acceptance criteria to the team that will be working on this, and from there, ask them a couple questions. Um, what do we need to know to solve this, which will result in some spikes, and then how do we know when we're done, which will result in our key results, yeah. What's the spike for our listeners? Oh, good call. Yeah. <laughs> spike is a research item, so you're not getting tactical um, output from this. It's more of educational. So with our spikes, we time box them. And usually I'll say it's either a week or a, if it's like a question that they can go answer in a day or so, we'll time box it for that. But I'll say usually with the outcome of that, again, a series of spikes or questions to go answer. Um, we'll go schedule those meetings and compile our findings. And then at the end of that sprint, it's like a week-long sprint of spikes, share out that learnings with the rest of the team so we're all involved in that product discovery process. And at that point, we can kind of say, okay, here are the items that we need to do to go make this um, possible or solve this problem. And then at that point, we have all the information we need to go and accurately um, estimate or point these stories. So in the tactical um, process there, that meeting, we do, um, you know, ready, set, point with our hands. So it's like you're making a fist, and then you do one, two, three, and then a couple numbers, right? Um, and the numbers that we try to follow is the Fibonacci sequence, and we try to do something, you know, rough level of time and effort going into this. So it's not, it's not a, hey, it's going to take me two days. It's like, well, this story in the past was kind of a two, so I'm going to say that this is similar size and length, so it's going to be another two. Um, and that you know, it's hard initially with a new team, but then it gets better over time and then helps you track velocity that way. So you know how much capacity you guys have for that certain sprint. But Yeah, I completely agree. That's very similar to what I do. Generally, I if it's a new squad, I've given them a little bit of a time component just to help them think through it. And then generally a month or two to maybe three sprints in, we try and go away from the, hey, this story equals this time. Right. And it's, we now have all the different stories, all the Fibonacci sequence laid out. Is this three-point story equivalent to this other three-point? And so it's that alignment, and that really helps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll just jump in and say we do something fairly similarly. At the start of a new kind of initiative, I'll outline what are we trying to accomplish? Who are we doing this for? Why is it important to the business? How do we track success? Like, when are, kind of yeah. the when are we done? Right. Yeah. Or when have we achieved our success? Um, and then uh, and then any testing we think we might mm -hmm. need to do around that. Um, and then starting to plan with engineering, they'll start to help break it out into some more concrete technical things we need to do. Uh, and similar with story pointing and like how we measure complexity. Um, and I want just want to go back real quick to like how you communicate some of these processes to like other groups. Because when you were saying spike mm -hmm. and it's like, hey, can you define that? Yeah. Um, I've, I've had that experience where I was in, in a meeting with a senior marketing leader, and he's asking when something would be done, and we didn't know yet. And so mm -hmm. I was telling him, oh, that's a spike in our backlog. Yeah. And he was like, what the hell does that mean? What's <laughs> a, a spike in your backlog? What? And he was confused and kind of mad because he yeah. was like, I don't even understand that terminology. What I meant to get at is we don't know yet. Yeah. We're looking into it because it's important, and we'll, uh, we're time boxing to kind of get a sense for you know, where you land. I think that, that is a good exercise. Um, yeah. Rate, subscribe, leave comments, and thanks for listening to Product Coffee. Now go level up. Bye.